Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets. Yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Well, hello. This is Deb Tomorrow. I'm a realtor, and this is my show. Hi, Karen. Hi. I'm joined by Karen as usual. Uh, she is the best damn lender in the state of Indiana with Ruoff Home Mortgage. I was going to ask you, I forgot to ask you before the show started, so now I have to ask you on air. It's nothing embarrassing. Okay. But do you want to talk about the Ruoff Butler program that you just posted about? Oh, the loan butler? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I can talk about it. It is just, a, it's going to guide you through the process of applying online. Like, there's no, like, you can, it's interactive, so it will tell you, like, um, in this field, you're going to, you know, you need to do this and that. It's just very hands-on. Um, they've been working on it for some time, and it was, um, um, they had a, they rolled it out not too long ago with a pilot group of LOs testing it out. Loan originators. Loan originators, yes. LOs. Um, and so it's just a great tool to have so that when someone is applying online, um, it's it's one-stop shopping. Like, you can upload all your documents. Um, it's going to make you feel put in uh, the responses mm-hmm. and not let you pass, or, you skip know, go, something. yeah, skip. So that sometimes when we get the application online, it's missing some key pieces. So um, we're kind of excited. So they just put the blog out, I think a couple hours ago. Okay. Well, yeah. I saw you, I saw you post that and, and I guess this is going to sound snarky and it's not meant that way at all, but it sounds like it's sort of um, minimizes your human interaction, <laughs> but I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a it's automating things to get you through the process quicker. And I know a lot of millennials don't really like picking up the phone and making phone calls. Yeah, I could see how that could be, um, but it's also the way I look at it. The uh, the complete application, the, the a complete online application from the get go tells a huge story because other companies that are offering a pre approval like in 30 seconds or, mm-hmm. you know, something quick, like two minutes, five minutes, you know, are they looking at student loans? Are they looking at, um, you know, extra things where it takes a few extra questions to ask? So, gotcha. I mean, so you get a good solid answer instead of a mm, probably yes. kind of answer <laughs> yes. in about the same amount of time. Yeah. But it's just great. nice. It's one portal that, um, that borrowers can put all their information into and it syncs up with our LOS. Our our loans, our loan operating. Sorry, our loan operating <laughs> um, software, where um, where where all your loan information. Where you put is, everything yeah, in. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. And that's a is that in conjunction at all with some of the other new stuff that Ruoff has going on, like the electronic signing. I'm excited about that. I haven't seen any of that yet, but I'm hoping. Oh, like the soon. digital closing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all part of the whole technology of how Ruoff does things. Yeah. Yeah, But so one of the things, and we're going to actually talk about closing briefly today, but one of the things we have not been able to get away from yet is um, a live closing where you either have to be there in person or you have to sign the documents somewhere in person, even if it's uh, across the country, but in front of a notary. Um, And we always joke, I swear, every time we sit down at closing, people joke and say, you know, 
well, can I stamp, can I put a stamp on this? Or And they've been used to throughout the process with our listing documents and our purchase agreements and our inspection responses, we're doing digital signatures. Um, and so I actually took a continuing education class last night on um, paperless and uh, digital signatures, electronic signatures and all that stuff. Um, and so we get to closing and then it's back to pen and paper and photocopies and what you all like to call wet signatures. I don't like that name. It bothers me for some reason. I mean, I suppose it's better than moist signatures. I think it is better than moist signatures. But I still don't like wet signatures, so I call them live signatures because you were, you know, signing them live. So anyways, but the digital signing is that for the loan documents, you can do electronic signing, basically. Yeah, so if someone who signs up for a digital uh, closing, what that means is that they get their their entire set of loan documents in advance of the closing so that they can review every item, read everything, um, anything that does not require a notary, such mm-hmm. as your mortgage mm-hmm. um, and the deed for the seller, yeah. things like that. A lot of disclosures. A lot of disclosures, which are about mm, the majority of your closing, right. um, can be done electronically. And then at the day of closing, everyone's in there for about 10 or 15 minutes, and it's just to do you know, the ones where it has to be in front of a notary. And this is great because we're going to talk today, we're finishing up our seller seminar where we're going over the steps to selling a property. And we're going to talk about closing today. And you just mentioned something that I actually forgot to put in my notes, which is if you are a reader, someone who likes to read documents, you need to request those documents ahead of time uh, because the closing is typically only scheduled for about an hour. And if you weren't going to read every single word, um, you're not going to have enough time. And certainly we encourage you to read. And um, But at that point, too, if you want to sell your house, you have to sign the documents. So it's nice to have some programs like this that, that we're moving towards trying to find that balance of security and electronic signing and giving people the time that they need to review documents and that yep. sort of thing. Yes, so absolutely. Cool. Yay. All right. Kind of off topic, but not really, because I just saw that. Um, I did want to also share another warning. Our favorite people got in trouble. Did you see this? I did see the headline. Uh, HGTV stars Chip and Joanna Gaines. She's pregnant. Who can be mad at her? (laughs) Dang EPA. They were fined $40,000 by the Environmental Protection Agency. And I never thought about this, but as soon as I saw the headline, I was like, oh, yep. I can imagine that. So it has to do with lead-based paint. Uh, Lead-based paint went out of business in uh, about 1978, but any homes prior to 1978, there's a good chance there's some lead-based paint somewhere in there. And when you start to do demo, like Chip loves to do, Mm -hmm. it kicks up that lead-based paint dust. And so the EPA has put in very specific um, guidelines and rules and contractors who do any work with lead-based paint removal or um, demo, they have to be certified uh, unless you're the homeowner, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously they, Chip and Joanna, we love you, but they put it out there for the world to see. They, they did. <laughs> EPA is like, mm, no, not so But much. you also think that behind the scenes, like all of this is being handled, you know, the the proper way to start your demolition and everything. Well, I guess I always thought that Chip and Joanna, like Chip doing the demolition was just sort of, you know, like the Queen of England, just just sort of a figurehead, like where I'm going to kick down 
a door and I'm going to rip down a cabinet and then I'm going to go to lunch and let everybody else finish it. And maybe those contractors are the ones who have the proper certifications, but they did not. So they agreed uh, last Tuesday to pay a $40,000 fine and, uh, and this is kind of interesting, complete $160,000 of lead abatement work around Waco, Texas, among other measures as part of the settlement with a federal agency. So something to definitely be aware of. I have seen um, uh, I've seen the lead-based paint issues. Um, I was involved with a local nonprofit uh, restoration. Uh, they didn't do the restoration. They sold the house to be restored. Did the typical lead-based paint disclosures, but I don't know that the sellers took it seriously, not because they didn't care, but because I don't think anyone really takes it that seriously. Uh, They were doing renovation work um, while their uh, babies were in the house, and one of them did test high for lead poisoning. Eventually, they noticed some developmental disabilities. I don't know that it's permanent. Um, you know, I think they maybe caught it soon enough, but it was certainly, I mean, they came and talked to the nonprofit group that I was involved with because it is a big deal. And I think we do take it, um, you know, lightly. And, uh, you know, when you're replacing windows and you're replacing doors and you're sanding painted door trim, Mm -hmm. granted, um, you know, the paint on the outside is probably had several coats of paint since 1978. So the lead paint can be buried, but um, it's in there. And when you start doing things that kick up the dust, it can. And it's more detrimental to children than to adults. So hopefully JoJo's baby's okay. I'm sure JoJo's baby is just fine. Okay. I don't know when she's due. I meant to check that out. but All right. So we are finishing up today um, our 12-part series, our, our 12, 12-step program on selling a home. Uh, previous episodes, we have talked about picking a realtor, your transition strategy, pre-listing inspections, getting your home ready for photos, how do you set a price, what happens when there's showings, when you get an offer, how do you evaluate it? Uh, we've talked about inspections from the seller's perspective. We talk about that a lot from the buyer's perspective, but we're looking at it from the seller's perspective. And we finished up last week on appraisal. So today we're going to talk a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes because there's this time period where, um, and so probably a surprise to you, Karen, because there's this lull, but it's not a lull in your world. You guys are busting ass and getting stuff done, the lender and the title company, but on the buyer and the seller side, it's kind of quiet. Uh, so we're going to talk about what's actually going going on during that time period. We're going to talk a little bit about your mortgage payoff and the numbers uh, that you're going to get right before closing and then closing in possession. And hopefully we'll have time at the end. I want to talk about uh, top 10 things I wish every seller knew. Um, As I go about my daily business, sometimes I think, gosh, if the seller only really understood this, their life would be a lot easier and the process would be a lot smoother. So that is the plan for today. So we're going to take a break and come back and get to it. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. This is Real Real Estate Today. I'm your host, Deb Tomorrow, here with... Karen Rastel, who is the best damn lender in the state of Indiana. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Real Real Estate Today, where we post all kinds of interesting information and tidbits. And I'm sure we're posting an article about Chip and Joanna and their mm-hmm. little run-in with the EPA that we just talked about. So, But we are talking today about the last portion of our home seller series we did four shows so this is show number four uh, divided up into 12 steps to make it very manageable Um, so step 10 I call hurry up and wait I also call it the trust step which a lot of people have trouble with because there is a lot of stuff that's going on in the background we've gone through inspections and the first couple of weeks that you have an offer everything is kind of a flurry cuz there's inspections going on and you probably have you might have contractors in and out and then there's an appraiser and then all of a sudden it's sort of all that activity grinds to a halt and you probably still have two or three weeks before closing and you're just sitting around listening to crickets chirp now hopefully there are some things that you're doing and we'll get to those but Karen what are you doing during that time period we are hustling and bustling behind the go. scenes, but we're also, like you said earlier, like this is called the, uh, uh, the you know, like trust me period. So I always tell people, like, I'll let you know if there's anything yeah. I need you to do. Just like hang tight. And I've said that like three times today. <laughs> so I promise, like, I will let you know if there's anything, you know, anything that's, that we need that we need yeah. or if something is going awry, like, I trust me, I will let you know. because. Yeah. And I say the same thing. And I tell people, feel free to check in if I need something from you. Trust me, you'll know. Mm -hmm. I'll make it clear that I need something from you. But, you know, still feel free to check in. So once you get through inspections, it does get a little quiet. But there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And there's a lot of people working towards getting you to your goal. We've talked a lot in the seller process about knowing what your goal is. Um, And so there there are people trying to help you get there. So one of the big things, uh, as Karen talked about, um, is the lenders kind of hustling. So you're doing, we talked about the appraisal 
uh, in, I think that was step number nine. Um, and I know we talked about the appraisal review maybe a little bit. I I can't remember if we did or not, but we do have an appraisal underwriter or most lenders have an appraisal underwriter that they are reviewing that appraisal. Like they're reading every word. So they're not just going straight to the value and say, okay, the value is there. That's good enough. But they are looking at everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The first thing I do glance at. Yeah. Um, And then once that's, you know, if there's no revisions that are needed by the, uh, you know, from the appraiser, then it is officially released to the client, which is the buyer, the Mm -hmm. borrower. A lot of times sellers will sometimes ask, Yeah. like they'll call me, email me, text me and say, can you tell me what the value was? And the answer is no. Right. Um, so. The buyer owns that information. Absolutely. Um, and then also during that time period, you're reviewing the loan file, you're asking for updated documentation, you're getting letters of explanation for anything. Mm-hmm. There's just, it keeps going back to the underwriter and the underwriter will say, yep, we're good to go or nope, I need a little bit more information. And then Absolutely. you go hunt the information down. Absolutely. Uh, and sometimes that can take some time I know one of the most frustrating, here's what strikes a, the fear in me when someone says, oh, we need to get rent verification. Oh, gosh. Because landlords, me being one, are not terribly responsive about, you know, if it's not on fire. That's, yes, we see that. <laughs> there's Sometimes there's some slower property managers or landlords, yeah. but it will, it will, poss- could delay. Yeah a buyer's closing. Yeah. So there's lots of stuff like that that they're working on and it's not stuff that can all be done in an hour. So that can take a few weeks. So that's a big chunk of what's going on. Um, now, certainly if, you're, uh, if your buyer is paying cash, then that stuff isn't necessarily going on. I have one like that right now. We're simply sitting around and waiting for the closing date because we picked a closing date that worked for everyone and it happened to be about six weeks out. So, um, but there is some other stuff going on in the background on that one. So regardless of whether you are paying cash or whether your buyer is getting a mortgage, there's a lot going on at the title company during this time period too. And they work pretty closely with the lender. Mm -hmm. Um, they search the title and we've had some shows our friend Brittany has been on um, to talk about what all of this means if you want more information because title is still something that I think people don't really understand Uh, and they just say what address do I need to show up at on closing day and they don't really understand we say at the title company and they don't really understand um, what that's all about but they search the title they prepare the deed they um, they actually provide the buyer with an insurance policy and in our market typically the sellers paying for that insurance policy that you have clear title that there's no outstanding uh, liens unpaid taxes unpaid water bills I mean all kinds of crazy stuff um, so uh, that's done they're preparing a title commitment which says this is the insurance policy that we're going to com- uh, provide once closing happens, if there are exceptions, um, and I think that's something lenders look at, but on the seller side, I, you have the right to look at that. I don't know how many people do. So at some point in the process, um, the title company will provide probably your realtor with a title commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a good thing to take a look at. And sometimes you'll have to sign something that says, nope, I'm not that person. Yes, that happens. <laughs> yes. I've seen that a lot. Uh I, uh, I had a weird, weird, I don't even know if I can explain it, but if you've had, um, if there's a judgment against you or something like that, or if you have your very common name, sometimes they do a search and they say, well, there's a, a judgment against, you know, John Smith. And you have to say, well, I'm not that John Smith. And the title company will say, okay. I had one, I had two clients, two separate deals. They both had the same last name. And they did a judgment search on one and came up with the other one's ex-husband 
It was the weirdest thing. I was like, no, that's not this guy, but I know who he is, but he's not involved in that deal over there. It was just a really weird uh, coincidence. Small town. And that's another good point to bring up. The lender should be like, I read the title commitment when it comes in too, because if I see those things, the lender's going to ask for a little bit more than just the borrower's word that that's not them. Yes. There's other, yes. Okay, interesting. Um, And I think it's a good time to point out that as the seller, even though you're not getting the mortgage, there's still some potential information that the lender needs from you because remember they are qualifying the buyer and they're also qualifying the property and they need to make sure that the property is free and clear and there's nothing that's going to come back to haunt them. So yeah, yeah sometimes old mortgages don't get released for some yeah. reason. So if you've refinanced over the years and a bank just never released it and then that bank is no longer in business. I mean, there are some extra steps yeah. there that everyone's going through. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then the title company is also working with the lender to finalize numbers. And we're going to talk about numbers in this next segment a little bit. And then the title company, the other big thing that they're doing that we'll talk about in the next segment is that they're gathering information so that they can submit your mortgage payoff, pay off your taxes, make sure your homeowner association dues are paid up. Basically, anything they need to do to make sure that as soon as that paperwork is signed, you are walking away free and clear, nothing to worry about, nothing to, you know, draw you back into the home that you're done and you're moving on to towards your goal. So those are uh, two of the big things that are happening in that time period, the title work and that the buyer's loan is, is being finalized. Um, but you've got some things to do during that time period too as the seller. And there are uh, important things. Repairs. So if you, we talked about inspections, um, but if you have negotiated some repairs, you need to be working on those. Um, and you need to really be clear on what your timelines are with that. Um, Karen, I don't know if you've ever run into a, a deal that's gotten delayed because repairs weren't completed. Sorry, I'm rolling my <laughs> eyes. Like, yes. Okay, yes, that, that has happened. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, I had, oh, I've got a deal right now I'm trying to close. And the, um, we had a special plumber or a pool guy that was going to fix a jetted tub. We couldn't find anyone else to fix this tub. And this pool guy was like, yeah, I can do it. I work on hot tubs and whatever. Then he went and had a heart attack. <sighs> so now we're like back to the drawing board and have like five days before closing. But what's important is there's also timelines. So sometimes um, an inspection response will be written and say, you know, repairs will be done three days before closing and receipts will be provided and that kind of thing. So you really need to have a clear understanding of what your obligations are and work with your realtor and ask questions if you're not sure. Um, you want to definitely gather documentation for those repairs. It is completely um, uh, expected that the buyer is going to ask for receipts. That's fair. Um, and that timeline could be different for the buyer's lender, just by hmm, the way. Yeah. Because depending on the nature of the repairs, we may not need to know or see a home inspection or know what's happening. But if the if the appraiser hasn't been out yet and they're waiting for all that to be done three days before closing. Yeah. And I wasn't work. thinking about that. Yeah. You're right. There's repairs that we negotiate in inspections, and then every once in a while there are repairs that are required by the lender. Yeah. And that's a different story because then the appraiser has to come back out and confirm that the repairs are done. So you do need to um, understand that a little bit too. Um, do you expect the buyer to walk through and confirm the repairs? Please don't get offended. 
So many people get offended at that. It's not that they don't trust you, but man, I mean, they're purchasing the most expensive thing that they've ever paid for. So let them do that. Give them some peace of mind. That's fine. Um, In Indiana, inspection repairs survive. We call it survive closing. So if the repairs aren't done properly, the buyer can come back after the seller after closing, and you don't want that to happen. Um, I had a deal like that where the seller was a 95-year-old guy, I don't know why the repairs didn't get done. We were told they were done, uh, and we believed them, which was stupid. And but they weren't, and they weren't, and we had to do a little bit of battle, and we got it all rectified. And you know, and my buyers were very reasonable, and they were the ones who didn't want to do a final walkthrough because I kept saying, "Oh, we should probably do this final walkthrough," and they didn't want to. So, um, but you know, you, you want to be done. You want to be done, and you want to walk away. Uh, another big thing you should be doing during this time period is pack. I'll never forget one time I was moving from apartment to apartment and uh, my husband at the time, uh, it was like a month before we were moving. He packed everything except two plates and two forks, like in the kitchen, everything. So we just like every night we were watching the same plate and I was like, I could probably live with two plates and two forks. That's probably enough. You know, it's fine. But go ahead and pack. Um, you know, one of the things I hear all the time is um, they want to come do a final walkthrough, but the house is a mess. There's boxes everywhere. Well, you know what? If there weren't boxes, the buyer would probably be scared that you're not actually moving out. Mm-hmm. Right. So most buyers aren't going to complain that there's boxes. Um, also, confirm what stays and what goes. Um, if you can't fit that desk out the bedroom door, don't just leave it. Hey, I had that last year. Ask if the buyer wants it or figure out how to get rid of it. But that's why you need to plan ahead a little bit because you're going to run into stumbling blocks. I had some clients two weeks ago that it was 11 o'clock at night. They had till midnight to give possession. They had a month after closing. It was 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, I really want to go to sleep. But you guys need to get the hell out of the house. The and they were trying. You know, yeah. they were trying. It wasn't like, you know. It wasn't like they were sitting around doing nothing, but whatever. Um, and I guess my best advice for this time period where things seem kind of at a lull is if something breaks, fix it. You still own the house. If something grows, mow it. You still own the house. If you have a question, ask it. Uh, there's no harm. I don't typically, you know, make up reasons to bug people if everything's going along. But if you're anxious and it's keeping you up at night because you're wondering what the status of your buyer's loan is or what else you need to be doing, then reach out and, uh, and communicate. And we're always happy to answer those questions. All right. So that was step 10. When we come back. We're going to cover step 11 and 12 really fast so that I can get to my Uh, top 10 things that I wish sellers know in the last segment. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. 
Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. We are going to hit it. So get out your paper and pencils and take some notes. we got some good stuff coming up in this segment. We are uh, step 11 of our 12-step process for selling a home, things that you need to know and sort of what happens in the process. So we want to talk about the numbers, um, which you should have talked about up front. So you've probably already reviewed projected final numbers with your realtor. When you get an offer, they should kind of say, this offer is going to translate into you walking away with X number of dollars. That's an important part of your decision-making process. Some realtors use a formal form called a net sheet shows your sales price and your projected costs. Um, And those are sort of estimates because it's a little bit of a moving target. Typically, what day you close on uh, determines some prorations, and uh, so it can vary just a little bit. Um, But a few days before closing, you should get, uh, I don't know what we call it anymore. It keeps changing. Closing disclosure used to be called a HUD statement or a settlement statement. I typically call it a settlement statement. It's still a settlement statement of some sort, and I think the the realtor version... I think it is called like an Alta settlement statement. Yeah, Alta. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what Alta means. Um, no, it's land title, something, something. Um, but you should get that a few days before closing, probably somewhere around three days before closing, that that is your final number. And you want to make sure that you understand that for the most part. I joked actually with a seller last week. I said, here's your closing statement. 
and this was actually, I didn't get until the night before closing. I said, we can go over it in detail tomorrow, but I need you to open it up and look at it because the title company always says, have you seen this? And I don't want you to say no, because then I'm a bad realtor. So just open it up. And she actually read over and asked some questions. And I'm like, that's cool. Um, So you'll have that. So you shouldn't walk into closing um, completely uh, naive to what your bottom line is going to be. Your costs that are going to be included on that can include title insurance, realtor commissions, home warranty, property taxes, HOA fees, title company fees. There's even crazy stuff like state fees. I never understand this. $5 to the state for every title insurance policy issued. Okay, whatever, rack it. Uh, recording fees for recording the deed with the county um, seller pay closing cost assistance. Sometimes there's rent back money. So there's all kinds of things that could be on there. So you know, your realtor should really be looking at that document and making sure it matches sort of the final version of the purchase agreement and that everything's on there. Um, sometimes there's some credits for an inspection item or something and we forget to tell the title company and so they have to make those adjustments. Um, if you have a mortgage on the property, the title company is going to ask you to complete a mortgage authorization form um, because they're going to communicate with uh, your mortgage company directly. So this is one of the big misnomers. Um, people will say, well, here's my mortgage payoff amount because it says on my statement or I call my mortgage company. It doesn't really matter. Here's the thing that's important to understand about the title company or whoever's doing the closing is that they are insuring the closing, uh, which means that they have to make sure that certain things get done because if they don't get done, if your mortgage doesn't get paid off, then it falls back on the title company. So they're like, we don't trust anybody. And so we're going to do it ourselves. So we just need you to sign this form that authorizes us to talk to the mortgage company on your behalf and get that information. I was going to also add, like, also as the seller, don't stop making your mortgage payment. Uh So even if you are going to sell your home and and maybe you're going to finance your next one or or maybe you're not, but just keep making those payments because if anything at the end, um, even if that payoff that the title company does have if you've already made that payment, your mortgage company is going to reimburse that back to you. Yeah, you're not going to lose that money. So keep going, keep going. That's a really good point. Um, After closing, then the title company will actually wire or overnight a check to your mortgage company to pay off your mortgage. So that will be... um, done at that point. Um, And remember that you do owe interest for every day you own the house. So if you close on like the 15th of the month, you have to pay interest for those 15 days unless it's an FHA loan and then they make you pay interest for the entire month. Ridiculous. Yet another scam. Um, No, it's not a scam. It's just the way they do things. I have no explanation. Um, So if your closing is delayed a day, it does cost you a little bit more in the day of interest, but depending on your mortgage amount, probably not that much. Um, And the title company may, in fact, collect a few extra days of interest just to make sure if they have to mail it that, you know, there's enough. But again, like Karen said, if there's extra, if you made that month payment for the entire month and then you didn't, you know, there was extra, um, they're going to get that back. Mortgage company is not going to keep it. Um, And typically when they do the mortgage payoff, they get your updated address. Um, The other thing to think about too, in terms of your numbers, I always remind my clients, here's your net sheet, here's your bottom line, what you're going to walk away with. But remember too, there's a couple of little surprise checks that'll be coming your way. Um, If you escrow for your property taxes and your insurance, which means you pay a little bit extra each month and and your lender sets that money aside to pay your property taxes and your insurance, which a lot of us do. Um, If there's money sitting in that account at the time of closing, most of the time that'll come back to you as a check. 
every once in a while, lenders will actually just include that in the payoff and give that as a credit towards the payoff. But most of them will send that back to you uh, a few weeks after closing. So that's a nice little surprise. You forget about it and you go to your mailbox and you go, oh, look. Uh, and then same thing with your insurance company. You know, you pay your homeowner's insurance once a year. If you pay it in June uh, and then you end up closing in March, you've still got three months of insurance that you've paid for and they'll refund that to you as well. So you want to make sure that your insurance agent knows how to find you. So that's sort of how the numbers boil down. You'll have that information again when you're negotiating an offer, you should have a general idea. And then about three days before, you're going to have a real specific idea. Now, let's talk about the last step, which is closing and possession. Here's another misnomer. So first one I talked about in step 11 is that people think that they have to take care of their mortgage payoff themselves, and they don't. Uh, the other one is that I get all the time, and I'm horrible at answering this question because... I, it just it boggles my mind, and then I think, no, it just means I'm not doing a good job explaining things. They go, well, when's closing? It'll be like three weeks into the process, and they'll say, well, when's closing? I'm like, the date on the contract. That's something we negotiated. Right. Remember when I sent you an email and I said, okay, here's a copy of the contract. Here are the highlights. Closing date, July 18th or whatever. That's the closing date. But I think a lot of people, and probably because of past experience, um, I think we're doing a lot better in today's day and age of closing on time. We used to close. It did seem like it was sort of a moving target for a while there. When is really closing date? So they're probably framing their questions with their past experience was that they probably didn't close on time. Um, but, uh, typically that's when it is <clears throat> and closing is usually scheduled a week or so ahead of time, unless like I have a closing on June 28th, which is right towards the end of the month. So we're trying to get that closed or scheduled now because title companies mm-hmm. typically tend to be really busy at the end of the month. Um, in some areas, the buyers and the sellers sit at the closing table together. Um, and that's always a good day to ask a good time to ask, you know, when's trash day, right? Stuff like that. Uh, we always tell sellers, like, don't say anything bad about your house. Closing I had last week, my clients were hysterical. And they were like, we we made a list of topics that we thought were okay to discuss at closing <laughs> table. Because they didn't want to, because they have, they like to talk. And they were going to say stuff about, like, you know, the person who lives next door. And you're like, no, don't say anything. Right. Right. So um, sometimes, though, the buyers and sellers are in either separate rooms. Sometimes the sellers have already moved on. So there can be a lot of iterations of that. And feel free to ask your realtor what closing is going to look like and who's going to be there just so that you're prepared. Um, You know, usually we get through transactions and everybody's pretty happy at the the end. So it's always a nice conversation, but sometimes it's a little contentious and it's just better maybe to be in separate rooms and just be done with it. Um, Right before closing, we talked about this in um, step 10. Right before closing, the buyer may choose to do a final walkthrough. This is their right. Please don't fight this. I cannot tell you. Anyways, I'm going to move on past that. We know the house is a mess because you're in the middle of packing or moving. It's fine. Um, I always tell the story about the um, people who, there's a different market just south of here, Bedford. It's 15 miles south of Bloomington, but it's a completely different market with completely different rules. And they typically do 30 days for possession after closing. Mm -hmm. So the seller doesn't have to move out until 30 days after closing. That's very unusual up here in Bloomington. We do it, you know, usually within a week or so, usually at closing. And uh, there was a miscommunication that the buyers had asked for possession at closing. It was a Bloomington realtor that was writing an offer down in Bedford. And they just assumed it was the typical 30 days. Showed up for their final walkthrough. 
expecting to take possession within an hour or so after they signed all the documents and seller had not lifted one finger to move. But isn't it better to know that before closing so that you can come up with a solution? Um, When I bought my first house, it was before I was in real estate. I sat at the closing table. I signed all the documents. And then my realtor said to me, oh, by the way, they haven't moved out. I had no idea. He knew before I had signed all the documents. Everybody out in that room knew except me that the sellers hadn't actually moved out. And it did leave a very bad taste in my mouth. Um, you know, the buyers also have the right to make sure you didn't punch any holes in the walls. A tree didn't fall into the house. Nothing was inadvertently hidden. Um, I had a deal several years ago where, um, this was a long time ago, uh, we went for the final walkthrough. And there was a cutting board that had always been sitting on the kitchen counter. We never thought to move it. It just, you know, it was there. It was kind of decorative. There was a book on it or whatever. It was gone, and there was a giant burn spot on the countertop underneath it. And, you know, but we had time to make a phone call, figure out the solution, and we Mm -hmm. figured out a solution, and, you know, and it was all good. At closing, you're going to sign papers, although not nearly as much as the buyer. If they're getting a mortgage, uh, you have like eight things to sign, whereas the buyer will probably have like 48 things to sign. But you'll sign the deed. You'll sign paperwork acknowledging the role that the title company played in the transaction. You'll sign that settlement statement, so agreeing how the monies are being dispersed. And then you'll sit around and wait while the buyer signs a lot of documents. Um, And once everything is signed, and that usually takes about an hour or so, you're either going to get your check for your proceeds or um, or they'll ask you if they want it wired into your bank account. And this is something else, a helpful hint that I like to share with people. If you need those funds right away, you probably want to pay a little bit extra and have the money wired into your bank account um, or at least check with your bank ahead of time for how long they're going to hold that check. When they're big checks, mm-hmm. banks sometimes will hold them for, I've seen up to seven to 10 days. And if you were expecting to take that money and go to Vegas and double it the next day, you might not be able to get that money out. So you want to be aware of that too. Phew. That was not now you're done. Walk away. <laughs> Right. Possession uh, sometimes is at closing, which means you slide the keys over and it's done. Uh, And sometimes we make arrangements for uh, possession to be a week or two after closing and uh, talk about, you know, how keys are going to be handed off, which is done in a number of different ways. So be aware of that. You'll want to set utilities up for the date of possession as well. You want to keep if it keeps growing, you want to keep mowing it. Can you tell I've had issues in the past? (laughs) And, you know, I always tell buyers, it's like, it's just grass. Let's just deal with it. It's not worth, you know, having a coronary over. But, you know, there's no, in Indiana in our contracts, there's nothing written about how clean and neat the house has to be. Certainly, I mean, I did a walkthrough last week and there was an inch thick of dirt on the blades for the ceiling fan. Disappointing, yes. Really nothing we can do about it. So, you know, I would recommend that it's good karma to be courteous. Uh, A lot of sellers do hire a cleaning company to come in and give it a good once over because they're proud of their home and they want to turn it over and hope that the next uh, owners are proud of it too. So something to think about. All right. When we come back, we are going to go over my top 10 things I wish for all sellers to know. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. 
You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My Favorite Coffee Story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, welcome back as we wrap up our seller seminar. This is show number four, and we've done 12, well, not 12 segments, I guess 11 segments, because I combined 11 and 12 into the last segment. How confusing is that? But anyways, um, we've had 12 steps just to go through on what, uh, how you go about selling a house and what to expect. So I wanted to take this segment just to talk about my top 10 sort of tips or things that I wish sellers would know. And I'm going to tell you, these are a little bit more philosophical than actual like, or place the garage door and put down new mulch. Um, I mean, you can find those all over online. But, and that's typically what you get from realtors. And hopefully you figured out by now that I'm not really a typical realtor. I want you to be mentally prepared because that's what's going to keep your stress scale down um, to a low level, not mulch. <laughs> being mentally prepared uh, is going to beat that. So these are the things I want all of my sellers, I wish for my sellers to know. One, uh, and these are kind of in no particular order, although number 10 I think is the most important in my mind. But number one, make showings easy. So that is access to the home, uh, notice for showings, animals, um, you know, smells, toilet seats, put them down. Um Make someone want to be in your home, but make it easy to get in there. That makes such a difference because I promise you, it's one and done. People schedule a showing, and if you say no, sellers go, oh, they'll come back. They'll, they'll schedule it again. They'll try again. They may not. A lot of times you'll be surprised. They may not. They might be like, I don't know that I want to deal with that. It's just it's too hard. you know. So make it easy on them. Uh, number two, decluttering will net you more for your house than anything else you can do. Uh, if you're going to spend money to get your house ready to sell, it should be either on a storage unit. I used to say storage unit. Now I think you need to just hire our friend Cheryl mm-hmm. from Consider It Done who will help you get rid of stuff because putting in a storage unit is never good because it'll just stay there. Um, so decluttering your home will net you more money for your house than that pile of mulch, than restaining that deck. It's just having it nice and neat and minimal stuff makes all the difference in the world. Number three, a pre-listing inspection should make the process less stressful. 
However, I've had a couple sellers this year proved otherwise. <laughs> because if you don't listen to what the inspector has to say, it's not going to help you. Uh, and I've had that. Uh, I had one, and she recognized. She says, yeah, you know, I should have listened to the home inspector and dealt with this before. And instead, you know, we ended up losing a buyer and going on to the next buyer. And, and it definitely caused a lot more stress. So I highly recommend a pre-listing inspection. It really should make the process less stressful if you listen to what the home inspector has to say. Even in the seller's market that we're in right now, condition is still really important. Sellers or buyers aren't dumb. They're not going to pay whatever for a house in whatever condition, unless you're in like San Francisco or something. And then we've seen people pay anything for anything. Uh, Number four, I always ask my clients this, what's your plan A? What's your plan B? Maybe we should come up with a plan C just to be safe. Uh, we talked uh, in one of our episodes about transition. I think that was uh, episode two. What's your transition strategy? If you're selling, where are you going? Can you sell before you have to, or can you buy before you have to sell? Um, you know, I'm going tonight to have a, a conversation with a client about that. Uh, I was really proud of him. He emailed me and he said, I want to sell my house. I want to buy a new one. I've been listening to your podcast. Yay. And uh, he said, so I've already gotten pre-qualified. Wow, Shazam, right? People listen. Um, But I don't know yet what his plan is or what he's financially able to do. So we're going to kind of hash out a plan A and a plan B and maybe even a plan C. Those are the things that give you peace of mind when you have options. If you feel like you only have one option, you feel like your back is against the wall and that's just a fight or flight kind of uh, feeling. Number five, we talked about this in the first step of our um, home seller seminar picking a realtor based on a selling strategy that they present to you. I think it's such an interesting question. I just really want to encourage people to ask it. Um, What's their strategy? I think people ask, you know, the questions I get asked all the time, how many homes have you sold? Are you going to do an open house? What websites do you advertise on? That kind of thing. But no one really ever says, what's your strategy? Not your marketing plan, but like your strategy. Um, You know, are you going to list it? Wait a few days, try and get more interest. What are you going to do to, you know, really uh, create a buzz around my house kind of thing? So I think that's an interesting question. I think everybody should be asking that as they interview uh, the right realtor for them. Uh, Number six, clean, clean, clean. Clean, clean, which kind of goes along with number two, which was decluttering will net you more for your house than anything else you can do. And cleaning goes along with that as well. Uh, I don't care how dated your carpet is if it's clean. I don't care how dated your kitchen counters are if they are clean and spotless and, uh, you know, your vents in the ceiling are clean and the corners are clean and there's no stickiness and there's no spots and stains. I mean, it just goes a long way. And Karen, your favorite thing for cleaning is? Oh, the magic eraser. Yeah, the magic eraser. I could think. I just used it last night. Did you see? Yeah. Awesome, magic eraser does wonders. Uh, highly recommend that. I should be like, uh, go here and buy magic eraser on Amazon. <laughs> Get a little affiliate marketing going. Um, number seven. Keep the big picture in mind. Um, know your goal and make decisions based on that. I had a, a deal recently where. The buyer wanted to make a last-minute change that would have actually positively impacted the seller's bottom line. They would have walked away with about $150 more. But they were stubborn. They were mad because of the way the transaction had gone, and they chose not to do that. And I just thought, gosh, you know, you've kind of lost sight of what your goal is. Because if I were a seller and 
I mean, yeah, it's 150 bucks, but it's 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to hand me 150 bucks. I'd be like, hell yeah, sure. Why not? I'll go have a nice dinner or two tonight, you know? So keep in mind what that is. Um, being stubborn at the last minute can cost you money. Not being stubborn and keeping the big picture in mind can get the deal done. I always think about this um, chemistry professor I had. He's retired. His wife had Alzheimer's and they were moving to Colorado and to be closer to family. And he was you know, pretty excited and he had a lot on his plate because he's trying to manage this move. And his wife was pretty advanced stages of Alzheimer's. And they wanted a radon system put in. He's a chemistry professor. He's brilliant. He thought the whole thing was hooey. He explained to me why. I read the email. I was like, I don't know what any of this means. It's a half-life or something. I don't know. Um, but he said, I don't agree with it. I need to get the deal done. And so he, you know, paid for it anyways, kept things in perspective. He knew what his goal was. And I really respected him for that. All right, number eight. Even in a seller's market, respect of the other party goes a long way to making the transaction less stressful. Uh, I preach that on both sides. doesn't always resonate. But, you know, I think that, and of course, we're Midwest here. I guess that's my disclaimer too. We're Midwestern. I think everybody can, you know, get along and come to, it's not like HGTV and the realtors are yelling at each other and we should all, you know, keep this in perspective. We all kind of want the same thing. Um, So respecting the other party goes a long way. Number nine, anything said about your home is not a reflection on you. Don't take it personally. That's hard when it comes to inspections because the inspector will write up a report of 45 pages of all the things wrong with your home and you're like, well, I'm not dead. I lived in it fine. How can all these safety hazards be there? I should be dead by now. Uh, But it's not a reflection on you. Just don't take it personally. And then number 10, this is the most important. Plan ahead and start early. Get ready. Meet with a lender. Meet with realtors. Prep your house. This is a huge deal. It's the most expensive thing. You're not selling a candy bar. This is the most expensive thing that you're going to be selling. Um, So I recommend starting at least six months in advance. It's not hard stuff, but it can be time consuming. And, you know, I think you're always better off if you sort of plan for life uh, instead of just waiting for life to kind of hit you in the face and then react. Absolutely. So there you go. All right. So that is our seller seminar all wrapped up with a neat little bow. Uh, and we'll have that up on iTunes for you. And uh, and hopefully uh, in the next week or so, we'll have it on YouTube as well. So um, in Manageable Bites. So if you missed anything previously, you can go to those resources to check them out. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This was Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.